It's July 12th, 2016. This is The Clues Chronicle, issue 10. We're talking about the Fukushima tsunami sort of mixed up disaster and the evidence that some of it was real and some of it was fake and, well, we're just not sure and it's best for everyone to investigate for themselves. We'll also interview Aburato, who founded fakeologist.com and coined the term fakeology. You'll also get to hear the final full version of a little ditty that we've sometimes played between segments, a brand new track from Simon's brand new album, Songs in Vacuum. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so what are we looking at? What is this thread? What do you what did you make of this thread after reading it, okay? First it was highly entertaining. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm gonna just say that. It was a real good read. It was like a really good mystery novel because we start out with an event and then uh-huh. we get a jump in as everyone's exploring that event and figuring out what happened and all the little pieces start falling together. Yeah, that's true. Like the first posts are on the day, which looks like it was March 11th, 2011. And people are already speculating about, you know, the falseness of the news reports and the bombacity of it. Because I think the reason that we do this is by 2011... Clues Forum had been going for some time, and so we were ready to take any sort of big news story and just tackle it and say, okay, what is fake about this? What can we find that might be a pattern? You know, even though obviously a tsunami is probably not fake. Like a tsunami probably happened, but Mm -hmm. they might have wanted to drag the attention one way or the other. Right, control the narrative. That's what we're asking about, and we're inviting people to talk about. Why exactly and how exactly would they control a natural disaster and turn it into a fake news story? How could that even be? And how could a fake news story about a real event happen, I guess? That's exactly what I came away with after reading the thread. (laughs) How could a fake news story be intertwined and happen during a real event? So did you get the impression after reading that some things were fake or all of it or it never even happened or what well there's a a, too much information and damage to to say there was no tsunami so water did Mm. wash up on shore and do damage okay but then a lot of the videos show fakeness show alteration show made ahead of time right yeah and that's the thing They have some that's made ahead of time. And what we're specifically talking about is things where it looks like a computer animated boat going over a bit of a a sort of a waterfall that happened in the city when the water flooded in. And then you see the boat again and do the same thing a little in like perhaps a different place or the highway even looks like it was copy pasted. Anyway, we don't know the level that simulation can be done live. That is, they take a screen grab of something, have a computer chop up it, chop it up into layers, and then 
turn that into like a simulated thing. Because of course, if they had that power, they would use it. But it makes you wonder whether they would risk using that on such a, a huge event like this, or if it was something where they rendered stuff beforehand because they knew that it would happen. And if they knew that it would happen, that's, that raises a whole other series of questions. Did they know ahead of time that it would happen? I still don't know. I have the sense that they might have even created it somehow. Now, is that possible, do you think? Do you think they can create an earthquake? Well, here in the U.S., right, we've had historical earthquakes along the obvious fault lines of the coast cities. Now, about 10 years ago, we started getting earthquakes in the center of the continent. And we're like, what the hell's going on? That never happens. Well, it's exactly where they were doing... Um, oh, fracking? Fracking. Dang it. <laughs> I knew that. It's exactly where they were fracking. Oh. Exactly. Those fracking frackers. What the frack is going on, man? I was just going to say, so they're greasing it up. Is that what's going... Was, is fracking just an excuse to explore making earthquakes? Oh. Think about wow. that. I will think about that. That's actually an interesting idea because fracking apparently doesn't produce too much. I mean, there's definitely some psyop stuff about, okay, the water is all polluted that you can set it on fire and stuff. I've also seen people arguing for fracking that it's a very profitable thing for everyone and locals benefit from it even and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not so sure. <laughs> that the people I've talked to about it would say that. But the point is, there's a discussion about it that's being controlled. Um, as usual, there's stuff not being said about what's going on. And people don't, and people want to muscle out that kind of discussion. That's true. Quiet us up. There's a lot of making conspiracy people look crazy. They they don't want us to talk. And they want to control. Because we're, we're altering the conversation, too. You've got to stay on point. <laughs> They want us to. Yeah. Even if you have a crazy conspiracy theory that's actually kind of interesting to people, and we usually don't have too many of those because we're just asking questions and saying, like, what the fuck happened? Even people who get a lot of attention, they, they say, oh, well, maybe you're onto something, but it's just unpleasant, so don't talk about it. Or mm-hmm. I went through an earthquake in Arizona recently. I don't know if you want to talk about your experiences, but I thought that was super funny because it was rare. And the people I live with were like, no, that doesn't ever happen so that's kind of weird it was just kind of a boom and some things fell over and the dogs barked that was all it was and then they later said you know oh it was some magnitude four or something i don't remember a boom that's yeah it was just kind of a boom like a rock getting cracked in half like a giant (laughs) house-sized rock maybe that's an interesting point yeah it wasn't like a shake or a shimmy that sounds like underground nukes to me arizona (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if nukes existed. Yeah. Uh, if. And then I'm told that the news is all talking about 2016 is, you know, when California is going to fall into the ocean finally and stuff. And I just don't know what to think about all that. Is it true that everything is built on a fault line there? There is a fault line that goes through California. and Right that, through the populous areas like San Francisco and L.A.? And- yeah. So the idea is if that starts moving, that hasn't moved for how many millions of years? Why <laughs> is it going to move now? Well, I heard that it was 100 years or something. They'll say now that we're overdue for another one. I mean, we're always <laughs> overdue. They're fault lines. <laughs> right. 
they're always building up pressure. They always need to release pressure. So I think it's part of the um, strategy attention they like to throw on the populace. Well, that to me, what you just said there reminds me of really when I started looking into inducing artificial earthquakes and the technology there, there's only a few discussions on the internet happening about this. The ones that I found were there's water pumping where you like inject a whole bunch of stuff into an area and cause a pressure buildup. I think I'm not sure that is done on land, not underwater where there already is so much water pressure. I'm not sure. Then all you need to do is drill, right? (laughs) Sure. Yes. Then there's this other kind where they use explosives. And then you start getting into other discussions like supposedly HARP, the high atmospheric radiant, whatever, whatever it's called. Well, the thread is full of HARP. And I, that got real tiring, throwing that in. Reading I have them. to say that everyone's speculating about HARP. And well, there you go. That's And that's what's irritating me. Unless you have some sort of proof or, you know, all this speculation is getting us nowhere and it clouds and confuses the conversation. But, I mean, bring it up, definitely, but can we have some proof? And I people just right. said it, but no proof. At the same time, it, it'd be better to have something besides... Well, I heard that someone developed Tesla technology to <laughs> some mysterious degree that we don't know. Okay, well, then then we're just back at we don't know. We don't know. So we need science on that. Well, in the heart thing, it's a non-directional antenna, all right? So how do we pinpoint it? I mean, there's no mode of action even discussed, at least with nuke bombs. There's, you know, there's a diagram you can pretend to know how you think it goes off. But with heart, there's no even discussion of that in the first place, except that it shoots way up high and then shakes water molecules or something, heats something up. I don't know. Sure. The best I got when I researched it. Based on the few discussions there are about how to artificially induce earthquakes, which actually didn't come up too much in the thread besides some harp alarmists, what do you think is most likely? Do you think that if they made it artificial, they would have just used some explosives? It seems pretty easy, right? They already have a proven method. They fracked and there were earthquakes. Just frack again where you want. There you go. You got earthquake. Mm, interesting. It already proved itself, I thought, maybe. We don't need to go with the mainstream philosophy that we see in detective TV shows where it's like, okay, now you have this thing that happened. Now you have to come up with a motive. I don't think you always need to do that, but... I think that's where a lot of people mentally go. They say, well, why would you do this? Besides the fact that you're just rich and bored and you like to play God, what is the reason for creating something disastrous like this? Is this an attack of one ally on the other to remind Japan who's in charge? Or is it Japan doing it to itself? And then when the U.S. wanted to offer you know, assistance and Japan was denying them, this was because... You know, the U.S. was trying to, like, take control of the situation or what? Huh. That's a good question. What did you come up with? My friends who lived in Japan at the time, I mean, they're expats. So that means they're from Western countries living in Japan. But uh, their perception was that Japan was being a bit austere. So they were getting from their own news, which is just full of Japanese propaganda. Japanese television is not much better than Western television. Mm. As, in, as far as that goes. Uh, but they were getting the impression that Japan was saying, no, no, we can do this. Don't come in. Don't send anything. And when the radiation crisis happened with the Fukushima plant, which we'll go into the, in the next half of the episode, there was also like America coming and saying, well, come on and 
we'll help you clean it up. And they were like, no, no, no problem. There's no problem here. So they never let the U.S. come and help? Supposedly. Did they accept money from the U.S. for help? Well, I'm getting all this third hand. Yeah, so well, you know, I didn't read it. Unfortunately, I don't know. I didn't read it in the thread. So I'm, that's something interesting to research. Yeah, we wanted to focus on evidence rather than rumor and speculation right, and right. hearsay, even though those things are very interesting during events like this. Yes. Because that's absent any real media all you have. And they might lead is, somewhere, so you do yeah, want to explore it. Right. When you can ask somebody to actually visit and take pictures, for example, and then you have a real reporter, that's really useful. We didn't, unfortunately, have that for this entire thread. Right. And though people did a great job. I mean, they so much information and so much good evidence that showed fakery. And you're like, wow. You know, it kept going over my, why would they fake it if it was a real event? And how did they fake it ahead? This is These are the two big questions in my mind that that have to happen. When you see there's absolutely, there's proof of photo manipulation and doctoring of stuff that's happening supposedly live. The question is twofold there. You have to say, how much is this created beforehand and how much is being done live to control information? And if the answer to the former is that quite a bit is created beforehand, that means that they knew it was going to happen or they created a reasonable uh, postulation that it could happen and prepared for it in advance. And that leads to the other two questions in my head, which are how much did they predict and how much did they control? How much did they nudge this thing into existence? Nudge. I like that. Just gave it a nudge because get that whole thing started. And you said something earlier when we were discussing this that I thought was interesting. You said there you, were, you weren't seeing a lot of evidence for the big pullback of the tsunami. Right. So in a tsunami, the first part, because the wave is building out at sea, right? The first part is the wave recedes as because it has to recede because it's getting bigger on the other end, right? Water doesn't come from nowhere. So, and, But then it comes in and it's high. So the, the low part never happened. So all we get is video of the big wave coming in, but not prior to that. And so we're only really seeing half the event because the first half is when the the wave pulls back and the second half is when the wave comes in and overtakes everything. Were you saying that there wasn't evidence of the re- the receding waterline first or you were just saying you didn't find anything that had to do with the receding? I looked for it and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find any discussion of it, no videos, no pictures of it, no reports of it, no news of it. Unlike mm, the other the tsunami. Oh, in Southeast Asia yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the Southeast yes. Asia one. We had a ton of pictures of it receding. And all the people were walking on the beach and going, oh, look, there's no water. It's cool. And you see all the tourists walking. And I remember watching mm. that as a video going, that's the first part. Get the hell out of there. The second part's coming. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if this is because... That was in a land where there was a lot more beach or shallow water, and so the receding would be more would be visibly more extreme, or what? But in any case, that's definitely a huge line of questioning that you could have about this event. And I think the more we introduce to people the amount of unanswered questions there are, the more people will feel there's an incentive to look into it again. Hopefully, right. And by the way, I read that in the the forum. I forgot who, it was such a good read. I, I didn't write down who wrote that. So good on you, whoever pointed that out the first time. So it wasn't me. Yeah, but. that happens a lot in these threads where we're following a live event, like the Breivik affair and things like that. 
we just get a lot of good ideas and we can't always pat everyone on the back for a good idea because we're so busy going, whoa, this is a lot to think about. And oftentimes, actually, what happens on Clues Forum is some of the best ideas get no comment because it just creates this sort of odd silence (laughs) in the forum. Things get buried so quickly because there's so much good information and good thinking. We've tried to do threads that promote particular lines of research or logic, but it, it is an uphill battle that we should acknowledge that retaining good questioning habits is something that you have to constantly exercise. It's not something that just that just magically happens. Right. Not magic. It takes a lot of work. So ultimately, Kay, I have to ask, if this was nudged into place for whatever reason, or it was predicted and allowed to happen or whatever, which we can also assume using all the seismic technology we have to read these things and the regularity of these things or the regularity of the evidence before something like this happens, what is the motivation for not evacuating beforehand? Or did they evacuate beforehand? We have to ask then, what are the steps that were taken what were the the human decisions that happened as a result of, okay, there's this earthquake happening, there's a tsunami going on. What did the powers that be do about it? It seems to me that you were saying that it looks like they didn't do a whole hell of a lot besides create a land clear, kind of. Right, because the northern coast of Japan where the tsunami hit and Fukushima was pretty kind of in the middle of the, the area of damage. But there are so many little coastal cities that you had like kind of mountains on the top, not mountains, but maybe like a 30 foot hill and then these little valleys, but they, they went right, right into the sea, but there were houses there. So like a big wave would come, it'd slosh against the mountain. And I mean, boy, a lot of these little, there's, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of these little cities along that Northern coast. And just probably a third of all the houses were destroyed. You, you can mm. see it on Google earth if you trust that right but you would say that if it was if google earth was faked they this was a massive undertaking because you have looked along the whole coastline and seen plenty of evidence that this was a real thing for for from your perspective right and if you use the google timeline you know as you're viewing these images you see there's houses and then there's this damage and all this debris and then you see them through time you see oh this picture that's the debris is mostly cleaned up, and in this picture, it's cleaned up even more. But what I noticed is a lot of the houses got destroyed, and then other houses were removed. So it's like other people were coming in and buying up land and changing designs of cities and things. And then other cities mm. remain the same as well. But I thought, what if this was just a land clear? You know, you get that wave to slosh up on the beaches where that, that are highly valuable because they're all beautiful beachfront properties. I bet there's a lot of interesting politics that we could hear from someone who actually lives in Japan and knows it closer because the the politics of Japan is definitely a very interesting subject in general. Mm. <laughs> I bet it's super complicated. It probably is. However, um, even without knowing too much about it, it's easy to see just from a human perspective that there's benefits to redoing of a small island with you know, limited property and limited land and people wanting to reorganize and the pressure to reorganize, people would take advantage of it if not create it. At least take advantage of it. Absolutely. At the very least, yes. Yeah. And that's where I heard all the deaths were. 
as I was um, researching this along those, not in the big cities like you see. You know, when you mm. see all the, the news clips of the tsunami damage, the vid- the short mm. videos, it's all in these cities where there's businesses and industry on these hillsides. But what I was looking at is just neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood. Right, that first wave, if you will, of houses that just got destroyed. Right, they didn't see it coming in. It just came in because there's nothing in front of them. It's beachfront and house. So I have a question here, and I don't want to make it too easy for people. I never want to make it too easy for people to say, well, someone's done the research for us, so we don't have to think about it anymore because that's the lazy thinking that makes us vulnerable to fakery. But on the other hand, I want to ask you, do you think that knowing that all the 9-11 imagery that we've collected, looking for some legitimate imagery and finding that all of it is, is fake, do you think that amount of imagery is more than the amount of fake imagery in this tsunami disaster? Or do you think it's less? Would you estimate that it's more? I would say 9-11's more, just because... Okay. But there, I don't think there's a whole lot. I mean, on one of the threads, someone had mentioned the um, thousands of videos on the internet from Japanese citizens. I'm like, what? There's not thousands. There's never been... <laughs> what are you talking about? I remember when it first happened... I was glued to the internet looking up every single video I could find. Mm. I couldn't get more. There's probably, there wasn't any more than 40 of them at the time. Not I any. remember, yeah, three. I remember three of them, <laughs> but I don't remember like a huge flood of them, yeah. 40 was the max. So I'm like, well, what happened to all the, the citizens who recorded the, I guess they didn't. Well, that's the other thing is it's, I think it's okay to talk about the fact that the Japanese citizenry is generally very obedient, generally very orderly, um, very um, polite and proper, and they have a very strong sense of national pride and a, a set of behaviors that come with that. And what that made me think about was the possibility that there were some evacuations knowing how Japan works that may have happened ahead of time or if they didn't happen ahead of time, we know that the evacuations done afterwards would be pretty orderly and they would happen pretty quick. If some authority came in and said, all right, everyone in this neighborhood out, they would, you can bet they would start packing. And maybe one or two stubborn people would stay, but the rest would just be gone. And then that brought me back to stories about World War II where when they said some nuclear bomb hit and eliminated the population, we also heard slightly conflicting stories that the government had come in and said, well, everyone leave now because this place is getting bombed next. You know, intelligence says this, or they wouldn't even say that. They would just say, you leave now, and people would leave. And no one would be there when the bombs came. So although there were many deaths from bombing, we can be certain of that, it just brings us back to this possibility that the Japanese government is very separate and different from the Japanese citizenry. And that's an acknowledged fact. And they're obedient. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because it's a possibility anyway that certain evacuations might have happened to get people out of the way. And then later, it would just be assumed out of lack of information that well, my city was evacuated, but everyone else got destroyed, you know? So there wouldn't be this sense that everyone 
was safely evacuated. Instead, there would, the, there would be this ambiguity and this fear, which could also be taken advantage of. Interesting. Well, back to your comment about the Japanese evacuating. I met a lady, they're family friends, and her mother was in Hiroshima. So we were talking about it, and she says, well, it's like any other air raid. When the planes came, we heard the sirens, we evacuated. So when the bombs hit, everyone was up in the already back way far away up in the woods. And you're like, well, I guess I won't go there. And then they just kind of scattered to other relatives instead of going back to the city. That is interesting. And I know that we probably won't find too many articles in English about the details of what happened, but we'd probably really welcome people who are living in Japan and who can write in at least a little cogent English to come on and contribute to the thread and say, well, here was my personal experience about what happened, you know, because so much of our modern experience in these stories is to, well, this is what I saw on the news. This is what I saw on the television. And since we've already established that that is completely untrustworthy, what we're really looking for is personal stories from people who have actually experienced something, anything, with their own five senses, directly coming from, you know, the objects or events in question. Exactly. First-hand stories are the best. Um, So do you have anything else before we talk about, you know, this Fukushima thing? Let's get started. I have one thing I want to add real quick, maybe. What would you say happened? Like, what is a a short chronology of events in, like, a paragraph? There was an earthquake, and then a tsunami, and a lot of people died, and a nuclear power plant got knocked offline and became radioactive. A report, my report would be, be very short. It'd be something like, the seismic record indicates there was some kind of earthquake. The tsunami came in, wiped out a bunch of property. Reportedly, there's many official deaths, though I can't confirm for myself any of them. Then, according to my friend, <laughs> who lives there, Japan is refusing assistance from the United States or from its allies. As a result, the United States wanting to control the situation is turning our attention to the things that it can do something about. My sense is, although this is so, this is solely um, speculation based on the news media, which maybe we're interpreting incorrectly, but it seems to me that the news stories focus and shift from the disaster to specifically this one nuclear power plant was some kind of change in the narrative. And at least from my perspective, I sensed a change, either pressure that was between buying powers like Japan and America choosing, okay, America's not going to be allowed to report on this tsunami, but it's allowed to, you know, the attention is allowed to be turned on this power plant or something else happened. But I didn't have the sense that it was very smooth. And if the if the intention in the first place was to get all the attention on this power plant story, which it ended up being, at least in the West, it was all about the danger of this fallout and stuff. It was done very sloppily because they went from talking about people dying suddenly from this horrible disaster to, okay, we can't do anything about it. Like that is so cold and abrupt and seems contrary to America's image. So when the narrative shifted from that directly to this tiny little power plant, which they were saying was going to kill millions of people, 
it seemed like a very dramatic, strange shift to me. I don't know. Did you sense that at all? Interesting. A shift. If it was planned all along, is it still called a shift? Hmm. I see what you're saying. So your sense right away is almost that the whole plan was to bring it around to this nuclear story. You think so? It felt like it after reading the thread and what people were bringing forward. Yeah, because I still am not sure about that. But maybe after we talk about it um, in the next section, I'll have a better sense and we'll all have a better sense of what exactly was the importance of that story and Hmm. where did it come in and stuff like that. Right. But now that you're saying it, so we could have the U.S. or the powers, whoever that are in control of society, decide that they, they had it in the can ready to go. If ever there's a nuclear accident, then... They make sure they focus on it to scare people more. Well, the funny thing is some of the footage of the nuclear stuff is so terrible. And the way that the buildings are depicted, so inconsistent, that it made me think this shit was thrown together. This is not Uh as pre-planned as the awareness of this other thing. Or I had the sense that maybe some intelligence group was alerted to another intelligence group's plan to have this tsunami disaster. And that group said, oh, well, we're going to inject our own thing in there. And it's going to be about the nuclear stuff. Interesting. Competing groups. Well, I think that's how it's made anyway. When, you know, people say the people in control are the Jews or the Jesuits. Dude, they're everybody. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people trying to and the Greeks too for that matter and the Persians everyone's trying to get in on this right shit. I don't think it's but they their network is what's cooperating and that's I think what we see despite all the competing groups the unspoken thing I think is the the uncanny valley that people have a hard time crossing and which they label conspiracy because they're scared of it is that there's a whole bunch of kind of competing intelligence groups that are unified in their deception of the kind of competing uh, public. Yes. And so there's this there's this divide. And the public doesn't want to acknowledge that there's all this other um, stuff going on. They just call the authorities the authorities. You know, oh, the authorities are the powers that be. Like even the term that I just used. Right. Or like you said, the Jews, the Jesuits, whatever you want to say. But in fact... It's more complex than that, and it's just that there's kind of this, um, it's almost like the striving of the individual for some position in power is the very struggle, is the very hill that people don't want to cross to get to that discussion. Right. They don't want to um, bring up the fact that they might be one of them, that their striving is, is not bettering society it's not making things better and they could be bought i guess is what i'm thinking mm, yeah they don't want to admit yes that. that's a that's an interesting way of putting it so i think my goal is to just not be bought uh-huh. <laughs> i, I do not knowingly <laughs> oh no yeah i mean if i found out that i was being manipulated i would be i would be super public about it instantly i'd be like okay here's what i just found out was going on this is fucked up you know? It's kind of fun, but, though. I mean, like, when when I was a teacher at another district, they asked, um, here's a quote we want. Could you say that? <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of, like, were really nice to me and kind of gave me a lot of attention and kind of made me feel special that I was the one they chose to do that because it was going in a, a publication. 
I didn't get paid for it or anything. But I thought, if that's just a little bit of them trying to, you know, of people getting yeah. bought, sure, I can see how you you can um, fall for that if if you're not well grounded. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. People are, they're shaky and unconfident and they heard themselves. If they're told that this is like a super comforting thing to do or rewarding thing, they might just do it because there's no opposition. Feel special for the day. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. You said one of the reasons you were suspicious that this might be a, a last minute event is because some of the video of Fukushima was really bad quality, right? Yeah. I mean, 9-11 we know was bad quality as well. And Simon even speculates early in September Clues about how they might have messed up a live plane path by moving the the digital camera away from the simulated scene slightly off. That ambiguity is something that we need to really kind of try to look at with all our attention on these things, I think. Because what we're looking at is how far is simulation technology along? And I would say it's kind of disturbingly far. I mean, with augmented reality now, you can change someone's face into someone else's face and have that be the same. They'll be giving the exact same expressions on their face um, with Mm -hmm. like very micro, what do they call that? Micro expressions. Mm -hmm. And they can change someone's voice and everything. So simulation is getting extremely powerful as a live tool, something that you don't need to prepare too much in advance. So what I think we need to look at in these things is it's not so much as did they do it in advance as much and did they do it live? It's more like how much is live and how much is in, in, in advance. And they're obviously trying to close that gap. But I actually, you know, the more I think about it, Glenn and Otter said it first. He said in the news media, he this is what he speculated because he saw things in videos that he tried to show his friends that they just couldn't see. He's like, look, look at that that thing right there in the video. That shows the video's fake. And his friends are like, I just don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he that happens. To, right, he came to the conclusion then that if that is such a, uh, if that is the condition of human beings, why not take advantage of it? And so he thinks it's intentional division techniques to put things in videos that some people can see and some can't. And I think what we do here at Clues Forum is we highlight what they put in for us in the first place. Hmm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's possible. I think that's what Len and Honor have great respect for. And But at the same time, I think that that language that he uses is, I would phrase it a little differently. I would say that they don't mind that some people see it. I don't know if it's so deliberate to create division as much as they certainly don't mind that it creates division. And since they can't really do anything about their shitty video anyway, since it would take just way too much time to make it flawless, they just go ahead and do it anyway because it fools most of the people. And then... Right, yeah. You know, they're very good at... Right? Yes. You're just economizing, but with the same effect. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Although, yeah, as we went over in the Newton episode and before that, the money episode, the whole idea of economy is just... um, a kind of religion about money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really about just like being efficient or being um, effective, mostly effective versus mostly ineffective. And Right. That's a good point, though. There's things in the video which are flaws. We don't know fully why the flaws are there. We can safely bet that 
a lot of them are genuine flaws that they simply allow to be flaws because most people will not look into it. Some of them do seem to be put there deliberately. I think they would have us believe that everything is deliberate, like there's some all-powerful beings well, rather than just people. <laughs> Thank you for saying you're right. Not, yeah, let us believe they're in control of everything. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think that's part of this whole thing is the, one of the incentives to take over a natural disaster story and turn it into something controllable like a nuclear power plant problem is because it shows their power. Oh, they have the power to absolutely control the dialogue about this particular thing. Yeah. They couldn't control the dialogue about the tsunami stuff. And they weren't going to turn their attention on average people just saying their mind about, you know, the disaster unless it went along with their particular angle. But if they could turn it on an official thing again, like, oh, we'll bring it back up to this official unknown level of nuclear scamming and kind of stuff then they know that it would be one authority talking to another authority and all syncing up their stories correctly again right interesting sync it up i think that's a pretty good introduction to the story and and different questions that come up in looking at it well here's a good post by non hokapito on march 11th okay He's responding to Warrior Hunt. I think it goes summarizes what we said. So Warrior Hunt says, Dear all, please allow me a theory. My theory is it is a real earthquake and tsunami with faked imagery on TV. Surely, if there was no earthquake, all the Japanese were screaming now that Godzilla was not really in the harbor. No, I admire Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I admire Japan, the Japanese people, their culture, and historical immensely. For their sake, I really wish there was no real earthquake. But I think there was. Harp? Fuck knows. We should ask Tesla himself. <laughs> hmm. But imagery does not imply Harp action for knowledge. The only very few videos existing means I think they were created in a fast reaction to a real event. Why? It is eye training. It is perception conditioning. Because if people will accept fake videos as documentation of a real event, based on this, there was a real event. Here is the video depicting the imagery event. Therefore, the event must really have existed because ah, what we saw the last time existed too. Yeah, that's it. It conditions people to accept fake imagery as real as well, over and over. Over and over. Mm-hmm. So then Nang Hokapita responds, Well, okay, but how fast can fakery be produced? And also... Even if a video is very spectacular, it still has to be consistent with the damage it depicts. No? Otherwise, it would be really funny tomorrow if it showed up, if it showed a building to be destroyed and then the building is still there. That's partially true, but my response would be that didn't seem to bother people on 9 11 when there were things that just weren't allowed to be photographed because they sectioned off the whole area. And the, and you couldn't go, you couldn't go in and. and contrast your evidence with the tv's evidence because they had already like done their best to sync stuff up so i don't know but it's interesting it it definitely points to the complexity of a military operation for sure well it does i knew people in new york people who live there they tried to go get an image uh some pictures of the um rubble pile couldn't Mm. get near it Mm. couldn't get near it nothing no one could get down there and then later as they were building they said they even put these things way you couldn't even see you couldn't sneak a camera in they had it all like tarped off and everything 
super secure. Yeah, I remember in 2003 when I went there, they had one of those cheap little chain link fences all around. You couldn't get past it. If you wanted to climb over that, you'd be probably hunted down and tackled by a security <laughs> right? person. Right? I mean, but why the, the security? I don't if if this I mean, it must be military, it's all like you were saying. Yeah, no, it's like a DMZ kind of. Yeah. Oh, a DMZ. Yikes. All right, the rest of the post. As to the reasons, I guess what you mean is that all imagery has to be fake in order to make fake imagery normal. This is very interesting, and I believe it has been discussed in other cases as well. It could be true. I'd say for early imagery, since there is not going to be total control of amateur imagery in the aftermath in a case like this, on the grounds you could prevent people from sharing videos. But remains the question, how fast can you really create CGI videos that are consistent with actual damage? Locations involved? Everything? Even if you have harp creating the earthquake on the significant date of your choosing, you still cannot predict what will be destroyed and what not. You would have to seal the area like a 9-11. Oh, look at that. To prevent comparisons. Mm. Except for the area is a whole inhabited region. Speculation for speculation. Maybe that's one reason for the nuclear scare. Ooh, to keep people away from investigating. Yes, that's a really good point, too. Yeah, makes people super scared. Like, oh, I'm going to go in. I can't investigate. I'm going to be poisoned and die. Wow. All right. Another element that testifies for the credibility of the earthquake and of its size and power. The effects are being or about to be felt in the rest of the Pacific, as explained here. And it's um, the, he's showing the wave map. But it's a BBC link, so... Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the BBC. Oh, dear. And then he ends the post with, I guess we have to be ready for more spectacular things. Well... That's a really great summary. Thanks for reading that, Kay. Yeah. And this is page two. And <laughs> I it know. goes to and page the, 33. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's a really good read. A lot of great thinkers. I, I highly recommend this thread. Yeah, we moderated it pretty well, too. There weren't too many people coming in saying, well, I know such and such person, you know. Although that would have been nice because then we could have asked them, you know, to provide specific pictures and details. And then they might have said, well, I can't do that because uh, the radiation. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's radiated. Remember Japan did a commercial that it's okay because it's heavy radiation, so people are safe. But they, they have their propaganda, too. Like we Definitely. Hi, how's it going? It's going well, you? It's going well. Um, how did you find yeah. out about Clues Forum and September Clues? Well, I suppose I, I have on my website, ecologist.com, a rabbit trails button on the very top that you can click, and I might even have to click it to remind myself. But when I was busy doing research on 9-11, I went through all the movies on YouTube that I could find, and that started with Loose Change. And... I believe I found the Clues Forum first, 
and then found September Cruise. I'm not positive about that because I really wanted to try and do all the 9-11 research I could because none of the 9-11 research was satisfying me completely. I wasn't totally sated. I always thought that I was almost getting the whole picture, but not quite. Can you go more into what that feeling is like? Um, the feeling that tells you that you're on the right track or you're not on the right track or you're being sated or not? Every 9-11 research movie seemed to bring up new stories with new questions. And therefore, I wanted to pursue, for instance, the Cleveland story, where allegedly one of the planes landed in Cleveland and the passengers were marched to a NASA building and then they all disappeared forever. Trying to find out information on that leads you quickly to a dead end. There is no information. These are incomplete storylines that are seeded out into the alternative interwebs and media. It's almost like it was done deliberately. Did you have a sense that it was done deliberately at the time, or were you just kind of... I believe most of the stories, because we start from a, a point of complete belief in everything, but we're not necessarily satisfied with our beliefs and facts that were given. So then that leads us to further dig and dig and dig like I did, and I was never satisfied. And in the course of looking for information, you just naturally stop on other information. For instance, you might hear someone that's interesting that's doing an audio and then you listen to them and then you want more and all of a sudden they introduce a guest who brings a new concept in and that interests you. And that's really the nature of the internet. You zig and zag through audios, through videos, through text. And in doing so, you just bump into more information. I never wrote the exact uh, transcript of my journey down every single day as a, or diarized it in any way. But Eventually, I came to Clues Forum, but actually, now I remember, I came to it after the Great American PSYOP, which I thought was the best explanation at the time because it was jazzy, snazzy. It answered almost all the questions. It it left quite a few questions open, and that perhaps is how I stumbled upon Clues Forum. That movie was made by Ace Baker, who specifically warns people away from Clues Forum, but the questions he leaves unanswered are almost like that's his answer. So what we're talking about uh, for an audience unfamiliar is that Ace Baker came up with his idea that digital planes have been inserted to real footage. And Clues Forum has found over and over that this so-called real footage is CGI. There's problems with it, which look like proprietary animation software. The whole idea that it was, oh, someone took real footage on that day and then the FBI got all the tapes and digitally inserted bad airplanes into it is his whole thing, which is, it seems like a kind of gatekeeping operation. He lets the entire media off the hook. And and most people are probably going to be willing to believe that some malevolent force came in at the right time, took over the airwaves, inserted graphics, and really hoodwinked the media. It, It hoodwinked Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, Aaron Brown. All these guys were victims yeah. And they were just doing their job. And it is sort of believable. Well, sure. No, it's and, physically uh, possible to do yeah. that. But then you have to explain why is everyone on a script? Why is everyone acting on a script? And why is it that they are not distinguishing between what they're supposedly seeing on the street, which sometimes sounds like it's in a studio, versus what is supposedly being shown on TV? And then it just becomes clear, no, the whole thing is basically yeah. a big Hollywood production. You see, and that is... That is unbelievable to most people only because they've never experienced it before. Just like no one has ever 
experienced planes crashing into the, some of the tallest buildings in the world. No one has experienced total media domination, total spectrum dominance ever before that I can think of. Maybe the Kennedy thing, because there was only a couple media outlets that had to be dominated. But because the media, we are told, was so expansive in 2001, it is really hard to believe that such a level of cooperation could be possible. And therefore, it's easier to believe that just a small group got in and altered some stuff on the fly. And that's really where the great American PSYOP leaves you. Therefore, let's go after this small group. Maybe they're Saudis. Maybe they're Mossad. But they're probably not in America. And therefore, because America is free and America's media is wide open. And Mike Wallace Jr. would have figured this out by now and done a 60 Minutes (laughs) piece. Right, right. Well, okay, so listeners, I'd like to introduce you to Ab. This is Ab. He's the creator and maintainer of Fakeologist.com. And how did you choose your handle? And why why do you choose anonymity? Well, I chose my handle because Aberato is Latin, as many people know. I love Latin, even though I took only one year of it. And I noticed, I think, a couple other Latin-type handles around. And I found that uh, every time I stumbled across a Latin handle, I'd have to go look it up because I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so yeah. It added a, a level of mystery to uh, the handle. So I, I chose Aberato because, well, as anyone can see, it, it starts with A, and that was probably one of the first Latin phrases I ran across when I did a search of Latin phrases. That it I also maybe keeps could... <laughs> people researching in a way because they have yeah. to go, what does this mean? And then it, in your name itself, you're asking people to ask questions. I like that. Right. And if anyone wants to look it up, I think it's a legal term for angry man. I'm not sure if that means hostile witness in a courtroom setting. (laughs) I take it to mean literally angry man. And that's really the reaction I had initially when I came across all the 9-11 research. I was quite angry, A, that I was fooled, and B, that it, it happened, and C, that everyone is still fooled to this day. That makes me angry and upset and all the other ancillary emotions that go along with it. Well, that's a good there, transition to my yeah. next question. But uh, but what, what? why do you choose anonymity? Because I do have a family. I'm, I'm sort of semi-anonymous in the sense that there have been some truth sleuths that have been able to decode who I am in real life, which is fine. I'm not really trying to hide. But on the other hand, I'm not really trying to be public. I don't think it serves any interest for me to be a public figure and further isolate myself from the groupthink mentality and also potentially embarrass other people that are linked to my corporate name because it would just require lots of explanation on their behalf. It's to protect them from any extra difficulties with people who just don't wish to research what I research or don't accept my conclusions. Right. I get it. It's almost like having a strange religion. You don't want to like wear the symbol of your religion all over your workplace. Yes, I don't want to be part of Falun Gong or Scientology and tar my children who are will will certainly not be believers uh, right away unless they choose to believe that. And therefore, just the semi-anonymity is just an easier way to be. Uh, And I've been in technology and computer internet as long as uh, since the days of the micro modem, which is a 110 slash 300 baud modem. And I always used a pseudonym even back then. So it was just a natural uh, progression to just continue continue doing it. And again, it was mainly because of the group mentality that also has also used pseudonyms. You don't see real names even to this day as much, although there are some sites that are pushing hard for people to use their corporate names so they can be linked and held accountable for their their actions. I'm not really afraid of any of the things I say 
I'm just afraid that the majority just don't accept it and therefore will... Like, they might become Irato themselves. <laughs> I could potentially do an interview with my real name. I have done it in the past um, for other non-fakeologist interviews. And the only benefit I ever found is that I would get phone calls or contacted by old friends who say, Hey, I saw you were in the paper. <laughs> so they, they wouldn't know who I am with my pseudonym, of course. Right. Now, so there's really no upside to it that I can see right now. Well, you're one of the few who actually did what Simon and I hoped people would do when they saw the research, which is, you know, you set up your own site, you yeah. started trying to talk to people about it, even though you say, you know, oh, you shy away. I mean, you actively work it into daily conversation and things just to... I try. My question is basically, why did you do this? And why don't most people? Well, I originally wanted to play radio host and because one of the research uh, topics I found uh, led me to a website that allowed you to have your own radio station, simulated radio station. And I thought, oh, this is fun. I've always listened to radio because I've always been driving around listening to audio because you can't watch Telelive Vision when you're driving. Is that talk so always, show? Yeah, talk show. I've always been an audiophile. And I heard an interview with Larry McWilliams and Phil Jahan of Let's Roll Forums, who Simon likes to affectionately call Let's Troll Forums, which is funny, because they did uh, an interview interview with that sir i believe or no sorry they interviewed each other about the whole concept that the twin towers were potentially built with the idea in mind to be destroyed later it was all intentional and they could have been hollow or partially hollow for a very long time and that was one of the wackiest theories i had ever heard at the time and i that was one that i was prepared to immediately dismiss as as ridiculous and that's before I understood the term disinformation and misinformation and counterintelligence programs and whatnot. Right. So now you're thinking that they might have introduced <laughs> oh. that story in order to make conspiracy theories even more difficult well, to buy than they are? Maybe, yeah. But the point I was trying to make is once I heard them talk about it and interview each other, it just sounded a little more plausible because they elaborated and, and filled in some of the holes that are often left by just a text entry on a forum. And it really they just sounded like normal, good guys. They didn't sound like they were trying to deceive. And I just like the whole way of communicating because it really connected the dots into their text and it made them sound more believable let's put it that way so i like the format and then i went on and i thought well am i the only one who's got this far in the research and been uh, upset afraid so i decided just to put a, a, a show on i didn't really know how it was going to be received it was even going to be noticed because it didn't appear that there was any great way to publicize it in this vastness of audios and i called it the 9-11 hoax recovery show <laughs> Because I thought I needed to recover from this hoax because I pretty much deduced that it was a hoax. So now I'm in the recovery mode where I've figured this out as anyone else figured it out out there. Uh, obviously, I'm a little late to the game, discovering it in 2012. So I figured somebody else must have come to a similar or the same conclusion. And this is probably before I may even have found clues for him, although I can't remember right this second. And uh, I did attract a couple people right away to the audio they all confirmed yeah we've been there we've been there done that we've pretty much figured out what you figured out yeah we solved it too we're not really talking about 9-11 anymore because we already figured it out so why are you doing a show about it and that was the reception i got from a few people <laughs> so hmm, well, um, it, it almost it almost discouraged me and almost derailed me at that point i have to admit well you know and that might have been by design one of the reasons that simon and i shied away from 
audio was because we decided that in order to boil down the claims, the official claims, we really needed to get it to a point where people weren't overwhelmed or being hypnotized in any way with video or audio or any of that flashy media that was going on. So we said, we actually need to just write facts down in text, look at them, and kind of let everyone examine for themselves the very obvious contradictions that are going on here. And then bring that text to the media and show how things aren't quite matching up. Now, when we first saw you, we thought, uh-oh, you know, this yeah. guy, this guy's diving right in to all that flashy media. And so that's where we were feeling inexperienced and where you might have been actually a bit more bold with it because you were just already interacting right away with possibly agents and people who were more experienced in audio manipulation. I don't mean like digital manipulation of audio, but I mean like using their voice to lie, trick people, deceive, and that kind of thing. But what was your initial response when we first expressed concern or distrust with you? Well, there seemed to be an immediate distrust among everyone. For instance, one pseudonym would tell me would be aware of this person. And automatically, I could see the discord and disharmony. And I just thought it was because it's a very controversial topic. Certainly no one in the main is talking about this at all. All of these are foreign ideas. They're incongruous with the mainstream media. And I didn't care about the characters behind the different medias or different stories. For instance, I wasn't too worried about who Simon was, if he was an individual, a conglomeration, it didn't matter to me. I, I thought the information was the main thing that should be promoted because I thought it was the best explanation with the least number of assumptions, which one would call Occam's razor, and to explain sense. the evidence. So I, I didn't really care who Simon was, honestly, and I noticed there's certain individuals right away that were trying to discredit Simon. I'm glad Which, that you me, noticed just, that because we... Yeah, it drew more attention to Simon in my, in my mind. I said, well, you're telling me not to listen to Simon. I'm going to listen to him more now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, there were a lot of pejorative labels about yeah. us. Anything to keep people from just looking at the plain, calm facts that we were trying to present. You guys had the best explanation. I, I Then, of course, the natural reaction was to just look for interviews with Simon at the, or yourself. The two principles behind Clues Forum, I really wanted to see if you guys were filling in the gaps with audio because sometimes text can be dry and misinterpreted. So if, if there was just any extra dimension to make it more clear or just reinforce what you're saying, that's what I look for. And there really weren't no, too there many. Wasn't much. No, I mean, our use of voice was... I mean, we were restricted to private Skype calls as we yeah. we ventured to try to meet and vet people individually, you know, one by one. And we were not always successful at actually picking, picking up on, on who to trust or not because uh, there were cases where people we actually met in person turned out later to be the same kinds of people that would act like friends and then go online and try to say, hey, I know them personally and everything they say is stupid. And so it was this thing where the whole reason that they had come to meet us in person was a disingenuous symbol that they could use later against anything we said. Who knew at the beginning of my investigation, I did not know at the beginning of this investigation that I didn't even know what the term PSYOP meant. In Canada, we don't really emphasize the military. We just, we, it's almost uh, an obligation, like calling your parents once a week. It seems 
Canada kind of does a, a cursory or just a symbolic role when it comes to our military, because, of course, we've never had to defend our borders, and we're usually just trying to help jolly old England fight the Atlanticist Anglo-American wars. <laughs> and we just we just put in a little effort. So the military and its role in society is really not understood, or really not emphasized in Canada, whereas in America, of course, it is business of America. It is their primary business. Canadians don't even understand that. So therefore, understanding that this whole operation was a military operation, in my opinion, because only they have the resources, the capability, the funding, the organization, the compartmentalization. Only they are there between successive governments from dynasty to dynasty. They're the only constant that could do such a huge operation because this apparently would have taken and did take tremendous planning. Tremendous. There was as much planning as, as as like an invasion. They, yes. they looked at everything that was going to oppose them. They set up all the little pieces for themselves. And the the sad part is that the enemy that they seemed to be combating was the innocent mentality of uh, the public. Yeah. So, so the gullibility of the public. Their yes. trust in government. Not their willingness so much as their uh, need to believe. They need to believe in an authority figure, and they would never doubt their government. They'll question it, they'll ridicule it, but they would never, in the end, wholesale doubt it. And, and right. there's no reason to believe that the government, we're, we're told the government's in control of the military, but what an awful thought if the military and some of its its highest orders were in control of the government. That is just the antithesis of America, and for that to be true is horrifying, and well, I'm sure a, most people re- wouldn't believe it. It would call for basically a revolution, and, and yeah. unfortunately, I don't know how we're going to approach that yet, because they really, they knew that there was going to be resistance. I mean, on some level, yeah, nobody doubts and nobody would doubt, but they did have to find the things that really exploit where people do doubt. And they they hit the nail on the head with their wall of tears and the all the vixens, because people don't question they say, well, we, we can't talk about that, you know, people really died. And that immediately shuts down the conversation. And that seems to be the primary tool that they use in a lot of these things. The greatest fear of any human, and as I get older, I even fear it, is death. I'm, in the, I'm on the downslope of life, if you want to look at life as a big, a big slope where you peak. And it is the biggest fear, I think, of every human being is death. Because it's the it's unknown. It'll always be unknown, forever unknown, what happens. And if you can take that greatest fear and manipulate it on a massive scale like they do every day, then you'll always have people in your grip because it's just so powerful. And we see it all around society. We, the people that run the whole show seem to worship death and its symbology and, and its religious representations like Satan and Lucifer. It's just... It's a death culture. We celebrate it. We worship it. We don't. We don't march up and down the road when someone's born. But when they die, my goodness, they close the cities down. Right. It's uh, it's just the antithesis of love and living. Really, is death. And they know and prey upon people's fear of death. I think, and everything just seems to emanate from that greatest fear. And 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 we don't want to talk about death in any way. And so it's a great thing to promote and center these operations on because they know people will not talk about it. And talking is the only way we'll understand something. Nothing has bumped 
me off your central thesis of 9-11 to this day, and it's pretty likely that it will stay that way forever. There's really nothing that's come along, and I can't see anything coming along to discredit your overall thesis. Cool. That's a pretty powerful thing. Suppose, yeah. Well, it's being saying you don't know is pretty powerful. That's that's a, a, it's so powerful that anyone can do it, and so it's seen as a cheat, even though it's actually one of the most powerful things we can say is we don't know. But it's amazing that you and Simon are possibly the only two people on the entire planet that have really come to the best conclusion about a worldwide event. I, I can't believe there's there are there aren't ten of you guys. And if there are, they're not talking. <laughs> right. Maybe there are. I'm not sure. We just connected to some Russians who had start uh, started up their own. But uh, anyway, well, Kay. The one thing about not knowing is powerful in the beginning. But you shouldn't stay in the not knowing for too long. And that's how disinformation gets us. If you want to get someone off track, convince them they don't know anything. Convince them they, they don't know where their ground is. I mean, that's that's the trick. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. And I think that's why some people can easily suspect us without actually looking at the information we have, because we're quite humble sometimes about what we have, because we say, well, there's this, you know, this small clue. And that is too small for people to even examine. They say, well, then I would have to throw out all of this media that's talking at me and but, you know, we didn't stay in the I don't know for too long. Once we were there, then we went to the, oh, I think I know, which is like how the Twin Towers fell. Right. Well, of course, we had to say, well, how can they be there one second and gone next? Well, you know, there's smoke screens and there's controlled demolition. And there's a number of things that we were able to speculate about, about how it may have actually been accomplished. You Since the official story is physically impossible. Well, <laughs> yes, it's physically impossible. Ooh, I had a good idea, which I, I would love. Ab, I was thinking about this. Do you know how you show those uh, videos for CDI yeah. building demolishes? Well, yeah. there's also amazing ones when it goes wrong, you know, when yeah. buildings only half collapse. So that should have been the Twin Towers. They should have half collapsed if they collapsed at all. Yeah. Right. When you don't have explosives evenly distributed around a building, it half collapses. Yeah. So that's what the planes did. I mean, in reality, if if it was real and the planes hit the building and the planes the were like super weighted so that they could actually go through steel right. beams instead of just fall apart. But yeah, right. Radiation hardened tips of airplanes. <laughs> Maybe they can made it in. Well, I don't think CDI has any failed videos on their website. They're all perfect. Mm -hmm. Every single one that they decide to publish is a perfect demolition. I just watched the demolition of the Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh that was done on 2-11-01. So <laughs> just a beautiful, almost invisible, very tiny rubble pile left every single time. They're so good at it. Well, see, that's one of the things they say about the Twin Towers. You know, it's like it had to be the Judy Wood thing because there was no rubble pile. Well, there's yeah. never a rubble pile. They're all pretty small. Doesn't CDI Very show small. that? Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I say that every almost every time. Now, of course, there are always different buildings, but their rubble piles are fantastically small. And that would correspond, of course, with clearing out the internal elements of the building the best they could. But 
anything structural, the whole point of a demolition is so they, if they're knocking something down manually, that something doesn't fall on someone and kill them while they're in there. So it's anything that's structural, they just rig up and then they walk away for a couple miles. And that way, everything that falls will be right on the ground and not hurt anyone that's trying to finish the demolition cleanup anyway. So that's, what? to me, the whole point of a controlled demolition is... Just to avoid getting killed when you're trying to knock something down. I think we do that in Canada. I don't think we have controlled demolition. I don't think it's allowed here. And they take buildings down really slowly, piece by piece. And I think it's way more expensive to do it, of course. Well, I think that, you know, when we're discussing these actual things, which often people don't get to, it's because we're kind of on this scale of, there's almost like a hierarchy of people willing to question things. And like Michael Moore, I think of it almost like the caste system in, in India, you know, like Michael Moore is the Brahmin. Everyone like must respect them. And then there's the Kshatriya, the Vaisya, which is maybe like, um, I don't know, an Ace Baker or Jim Fetzer and then the Sudra. And then we're down in the untouchables. We're like, there's just... But we're like the opposite of the uh, the scale. You know, there's only a few of us untouchables that people are. And we kind of have that position a lot in many things, including this tsunami thing. So we, we look at this from a different angle. Some people say, well, there's a conspiracy about covering up the uh, the spread of nuclear waste through the ocean and blah, blah, blah. Well, what if that too is just a story? And I was wondering if if you had any comment on what you think happened. Ab, is, do you believe that the tsunami was mostly real, mostly fake, all real, all fake, or anything in between? Well, I don't know, really. The only evidence we ever saw was video footage, and we, of course, exposed video fakery, or we examined video and looked for clues that it's made in a studio and not for real. And just the basic analysis of the tsunami video showed there's all kinds of problems with the physics of, for instance, cars floating instead of sinking. And therefore, it looks like at the, the very least that the footage is not real, but the level of tampering, it'll be hard to tell. But, right. but do you think that I, maybe they were simulating... You know, because there's some footage that people are saying, oh, that looks more real, and others where it's like, wait, this looks like they did it in a studio. Could they have prepared in advance? Anything like that? Well, I, I don't, I didn't really look at all the footage on that tsunami story. It's interesting that the tsunami story re with relation to Fukushima, or Fukushima, as Simon puts it, which is rather funny, um, is that. Uh, it's almost two stories that were melded together, maybe just to distract or add uh, appeal or drama to the whole thing. So the actual, I didn't really study the tsunami aspect because it's just another story that wasn't well explained. It wasn't well developed. And maybe it's because there is no story and it's just a minor story. So your instinct and, is that the, the thing that was getting more attention... Um, Anyway, it didn't grab your attention because we were talking about how it may have been used just to almost draw attention to this nuclear story about the nuclear power plant and with uh, nuclear power. And you had said that actually it seems 
like there's some serious plot holes in the whole public understanding of what nuclear power is. Fukushima. So I have a question. Yeah. When when you toured the nuclear power plant. Yeah. And what what city was that? Toronto. Yes. Was anything that you saw on the tour felt like you know weird or suspicious to you? What you saw? Oh yeah. Well, first of all. All nuclear power plants around the world after 9-11 were injected with security money to fortify them as if they were vulnerable targets to terrorists. So they were heavily fortified after that. So if there were two fences up at that plant, then they made four. <laughs> it's, it's more fortified oh probably than a prison. So at that Jeez. point, after 9-11, the nuclear power plant that I visited was um, off limits to touring. In other words, you couldn't go in the actual complex proper. They they had visitor centers that you went to where there were models of the plant itself in the visitor center. And you were loaded into a bus at the visitor center and they drove around the perimeter of the plant. You never got to go in the plant. And I'm pretty sure it's probably... Because the nuclear is, is administered internationally, I'm pretty sure that's probably an international protocol. And, and we got a couple of the American-built Humvee military vehicle that it looks like it's from a movie. And uh, I saw it one day that the thing was on a major road going to the plant, and it was broken down, and they had run out of gas. Because I think the thing gets about one mile per gallon. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen because they did parade the military vehicle on the open house day as this necessary piece of equipment to defend the plant against any 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 harm or any terrorist. It was black people with beards like constantly trying to climb that fence and you know getting shot at and stuff like it's just terrorists are constantly trying to break in right well yes of course you're being facetious but the biggest threat that any nuclear plant should have in 2016 is being figured out by the general population that it's most likely doing absolutely nothing except draining their wallets so what do you why do you say that what makes you think and how did you come to this um <laughs> belief well yeah, that's that's a good question, because after I realized that 9-11 was a hoax, it seemed almost in its entirety. After I figured out that you could fool the entire world over an event that everyone probably knew something about, and there's very few things you could ask anyone in the world about that they all know about. 9-11 is one of them. In the 70s, Muhammad Ali, who just allegedly died... It's probably another one. There's not, there's not too many things that we all have in common around the world, but 9-11 is one of them. So if the entire world could be fooled except Simon Shack and Hoy Polloi and a few others that read the forum, then I thought, what else am I afraid of? And I literally just went into my head, into my Rolodex, and came up with nuclear. I thought, of all the things that I'm afraid of on a macro level, nuclear war is probably the biggest one that I could think of. Because it's always there. It's not talked about. So it's strange how we're not worried about it, but we are worried about it. And then we have this other companion to nuclear warheads and war called nuclear power. If so I decided, okay, I'll just type in two words, nuclear and hoax, because is there anything in the great collective online that talks about it? And there wasn't much, but I think clues for 
forum and maybe another forum or you came up because now perhaps I'm just going to be guilty of confirmation bias where I'm just looking for something I've already decided is true, which is possible. Sure. But I am looking for anything to support my thesis. Yeah, so I get I, it. I don't know. I don't think confirmation bias is necessarily a bad thing. If you have a hunch that it's some kind of scam, what do you think? How do you think they'd manage the power lines and things when you've been looking at it? Because you've obviously been thinking about this, and even you know, of course, scientists have confirmation bias all the time when like, developing a hypothesis. Well, I think the best thing that one can manipulate others with is things that you cannot sense with any of your five, six, or nine senses, however many senses we actually have. Uh, we, we know the five basics, but there's a few others like balance, and, and then there's women's intuition that half the population allegedly has. So these are all senses. The feeling have of being stared at, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might have senses of magnetism, if you believe we are in a magnetic universe, electromagnetic universe, where I can feel a magnetic wave being pulsed my way. Maybe there's a, just an undetectable force that's transmitting through the ether, if you believe in ether. And the ones we cannot sense are the best stories to manipulate because there's just no way to prove them or disprove them. It's like arguing about God. You can't prove there is a God and I can't prove there isn't. So we're just at a deadlock, a stalemate. And whoever has the best story is probably going to win over the hearts and minds, as they say in the military of the vast population. So right now you're at a, at a position where you're like, I don't know for sure, but I highly suspect that something we're not allowed to look at, touch, examine, it's guarded by military, the weapons supposedly made from this thing are all pretty much hoaxed in a computer animation studio, um, or they've been phototouched yeah. since the, you know, the 40s, 50s when they started making these test things. So yeah. that threat seems unreal. So there must be something else kind of funny about this. Yeah, of course. It's To me, it's just logical progression of research. If nuclear weapons are most likely fake and they're the, the magical sword, the sword, I believe, of Damocles. Damocles is hanging over all rulers that if they step out of line, even the rulers at the top, this sword will come down and knock their heads off. If there is this all-encompassing, all-powerful force, then it's mythical. If it's just a construct of the human mind, then how much of the story with regards to nuclear is a myth? And you go back in the history where the genesis of the nuclear story came from and look right. at the cast of characters around it. So you're really just unraveling a sweater. As soon as you pull on one thread, you keep pulling and you're trying to find the beginning of the thread and where does the whole thing start. And there's so much fishiness to the entire story. I question all the way back to the actual atomic theory, which is just a theory and Yes. And we talk all the time about theories are not facts. They're just the best explanation human beings can come up with to explain their natural surroundings. Right. And simulations and models are just that. People yeah. get confused. They think that if a model is self-consistent, that that means it's a physical representation of what happens in reality. Yeah. They, they don't understand that uh, system theories have been developed um, for all sorts of speculations. 
Yeah, and we just we just assume that all the best minds agree to the theory. May as well call it a fact because theory might never be challenged for hundreds of years, and then we just forget about challenging it, and then we just accept it, and that may as well be a fact. I think that's how a lot of things in the, in the world go because that's how we've set up society. I understand. And, you know, you have you have very plain language, and I like yeah. that. I mean, your basic defense of of your position is essentially like this is just how I feel, and I'm allowed to question this. We we're not in an unassailable position. People will come at us saying, "Well, what about you know the three main nuclear stories: Hiroshima, Chernobyl, yeah. and now this Fukushima thing?" You know, and they'll say, yeah. What are these things? But then we've done our job, which is basically asking people to ask the question instead of simply accepting what is being thrown at them. Well, 9-11 explained to us, if we take nothing away from 9-11, none of the minutiae of the story really matters except the macro idea that the media is controlled by the military, either directly or indirectly, through money, through intimidation, through direct control, through direct propaganda, agitprop, all those things. And therefore, they can tell any story they want and convince a majority of the people. Yeah. That's the main takeaway. You can apply it to any part of society after that. It is a, yeah, it it is is evidence, a fantastic tool. It, yeah, it is evidence that they use it, and they use it on tiny things, and they use it on large things. Yeah. And that's the incredible thing that we're we're discovering is that there's a number of psychopathic people or at least groups of people that become psychopathic when they're when they're organizing around whatever topic they organize around and they say well we can craft this little story because people are just not open to how manipulated they are by the little minutia and that is the main thing i decided to study and promote and try and get to the bottom of and it just applies everywhere and again nuclear is a big part of uh, where i live in ontario this for some reason this part of the world embraced it we're told that it's half our power source and therefore it's a major cost it's energy energy is a huge part of everyone's lives because it's a way of controlling people's mobility through charging for it when it could even be free. Yeah. You say that it could even be free. Do you think that that we maybe have a surplus of energy or Well, there's unexplored and probably will always be unexplored as long as there's a monopoly on energy consumption and production or production rather maybe there is some kind of a idea to the electric universe where there is some kind of uh, potential charge in the atmosphere that could just be harnessed by putting up an antenna of some sort it is right. possible. what i'm getting at is what is the point of a nuclear power station what does it physically do what is the steam coming out of there if you're saying it's fake i'm just playing devil's advocate here if you're no, saying all it's i'm fake, saying all i'm saying is the core of the plant is probably where the fakery is everything you see is real the plant is real people going in is are, are real the dials they're all hooked up to different elements i am challenging the central core the main energy source the main kryptonite as it were the main little control element of the plant itself and that is we're told that a a faggot of fuel nuclear rods usually arranged in a masonic occult fashion are generating an ongoing but controllable reaction that will go on forever and it generates heat which generates all the rest of the things in a normal steam powered ancient technology 
way. I'm not challenging any element of any part of the plant other than the central core, which is a tightly, tightly controlled and regulated characteristic of the plant that can never be questioned, can never be explored, is probably out of bounds to 99.9% of the entire workforce of any plant, maybe to the whole plant, maybe only international investigators or specialists are allowed access to it. Uh, that's my thought right away. So I see what it might you're only saying. be 10 guys that know. So do you think they True. generate power or do you think they burn off extra power or, you know, well, everything I, I've heard is you just... say before that I've heard you say before that, oh, maybe they're a place that, you know, we have a surplus and you need well, to just get rid of this power. And because, well, you don't... I'm not an, ele- yeah, I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm not a specialist. And I have floated a theory that I've heard. Maybe it's not my own. Maybe it's just a conglomeration of others. I, I can't remember really. It doesn't even matter. But my theory is that all electricity generated must be consumed within a few seconds of its production. It cannot we cannot store electricity outside of batteries, especially mass quantities of it that are required to supercharge a grid and we're all on a grid of course. So if it's not consumed right away, then it has to be put somewhere. Otherwise, it will fry the transmission lines because electricity is just potential energy that that generates huge amounts of heat in transmission facilities, power lines. So my thought was the grid has got to be supercharged by an extra percent all the time. Otherwise, if it wasn't, if a great number of people drew upon the power, then there would be a brownout or a blackout. Right, which doesn't happen very often. Well, how else could you allow for everyone to turn on their toaster or coffee maker at a certain time, for instance, during a sporting event? There are probably that many times when that would occur, of course, but how would you be able to accommodate such a power surge, a draw on the power. Well, my idea was you have to keep this system overcharged. That and, makes a lot of sense to me, actually. And if it's not consumed by those coffee makers, then you have to get rid of it. Now, you could probably put some in batteries. You could probably do a lot of uh, work that could be used later. But the point is, form. once all the work that needs to be done is done, you still have that yeah. backup amount. And you, yeah, so you have that surplus, so you probably have to dump it somehow, some way. You have to get rid of it within a few seconds. So my thought was, because we can't see how which way electricity goes, maybe it's going into the plants, and then that electricity is used to do what the plant is totally set up to do, and that is steam. heat up water, turn a turbine, and generate steam, excess steam, of course, and, and all those other features of a, of a nuclear power plant. That's very interesting. It's almost as though they, they could um, temporarily get the overcharged grid into another uh, mechanical system, which would be these turbines, and then optionally plug that back in. So it's either just kind of going off, or they can put it back in and people operating it would totally believe that the power is coming from the plant on some level. We all know we can walk near the plant and see the massive high-tension lines going in and out of it. We can't see which way the electricity is flowing, though, can we? We can't even see... I mean, we can sometimes hear the the lines hum if they're really transmitting a lot of power. Well, I suppose if we went up with, I I suppose if we went up with um, electromagnetic current measurement systems and we were looking at. Yeah, I don't know. Can you actually see the way? Because it is alternating current, by the way. 
which oh. means it goes both ways. Right. So I don't even know. I'm not an electrical engineer, but how do you see which way it's going in the majority? Neither of us are electrical engineers, but I think the point is that the technology is there to do just about anything you want with these kinds of things. So the the hidden technology, which is kept hidden from everybody and is said to be in danger of being used as a horrible weapon, which we've shown as fictional, you know, that becomes this question, what is actually supposedly this thing? And yeah. radiation, you know, radiation is real. We can measure parts of it. Uh, yeah, we, I think so. Um, you know, but the question is, how powerful is it really? Can it give you much more than a suntan? You know, what? how much can it penetrate? What are? What does it do beyond the x-rays and so forth? So all these questions are valid questions that people will say, no, you can't ask those because they've already been answered. Well, then give me those answers. Well, they've already answered it for themselves. I say, well, have you answered it for yourself? If you don't need to answer that for yourself, well, then you have no authority in saying you know what the fuck is going on. Right. It's all rank speculation on my behalf, of course. All the stories around nuclear power are also part of the puzzle for me anyway. If it's such a wonderful, clean power and the side effects are pretty minor and the main story against nuclear power is the nuclear waste, we have nowhere to put it. It's dangerous, but it's a magical, mythical power that's so clean. It's, it's, it's one of those stories that is just another contradiction that doesn't really make sense when you really think hard about it and therefore it's suspicious like all stories were told because we know that the powers that be are experts at storytelling and experts at tricking people with their own minds so they've created this impossible energy that's so good it's so cheap it's so clean but we can't use it and we can't now, photograph how it is either. That poss- how is that possible? Can we not all work together to make it safe if it's so great? Right. No, we're told we can't. And the stories and the reasons are really, in my mind, weak. They're really, really, really weak. I question them. Just like uh, 9-11. There's so many s- side stories that are not completed, not finished, and they don't make any sense. With that in mind, and, what do you think yeah. is going on with this Fukushima thing and their threat of, well, radiation is pouring out of there and you can't have seafood from that region anymore because you will be eating all this toxic poison yeah. that ne- never leaves your body? And, you know, what is yeah. going on with that? Well, there's so many things that go on with what I call psychological operations. Uh, the main thing is just to induce fear, trauma based mind control. You can control people that are always in fear. But there would be so many side benefits to the story. If, again, you believe in my thesis that nuclear power plants do absolutely nothing, at the no, very least they do nothing, at the very most maybe they have some kind of dump load capacity, but I doubt that they generate any power, then uh, they're just props for stealing money, vast quantities of money, because we're not talking talking small dollars. Construct to maintain, theorize about, That's it's, 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 it's a massive amount of money. It's a massive swindle. It's totally untouchable by the general public because the people that run these places are priest class, I call them. Nuclear scientists are the priests of yesteryear. Right. They're untouchable. We can't communicate with them. They are so highly trained that we just can't even see what they're talking about. 
Right, and we can't we can't deign to uh, understand because no. Uh, because no, you may as well be questioning the high priests in the Vatican. Right, they can't share that information because they. If they explained it. why they needed so much gold, it would blow your mind because it, they're getting direct instructions from heaven. So, we can't yeah, really we can't let everyone talk to talk to the heaven. We've proven that. And those damn Protestants, when they <laughs> wanted to talk directly to God, they wrecked everything, you know, and they don't understand, and they're heathens. they got to come back to the church because only certain people can talk to God, even despite the fact that Jesus said, talk to me directly. <laughs> but anyway, that's a anyway, whole other okay. can of conspiracy worms. But, yeah, who knows what some of the ancillary benefits of running the Fukushima hoax could be. Maybe there was a real overfishing problem. And the only way you can stop people eating fish is just say that they're nuke, they're radiologically charged. That would stop me from eating fish. You know, I wonder if during all these hoaxes that they're running, like the um, Hiroshima bomb thing and the terrorist, you know, crazy terrorist Muslims blowing up the world thing, if if occasionally these people get so deep into the lies and deception, they have to make new ones up just to make sure they're still on the same page. And I wonder if, you know, Japan and America don't have to occasionally sync up their stories about everything. So Well, new, I wonder if I question a, if Japan even writes their own stories. They are an occupied country, are they not, by America? And England. Yeah, as Germany is. So well, they right. might not even write their own stories. The point is, there's this story that Japan was refusing help from, you know, Western allies to come help them clean up. It's very similar to the one that about you know Putin and the Kursk, the sinking of the nuclear submarine, which Putin said, no, no, we don't need help here. It kind of has this strange echo in the what we are told to perceive as the uh, diplomatic relationships between these countries. But yeah, it has that kind of top-down air to it. Well, if you question all nuclear stories, which I do, there are other ways to look for clues, or other clues, rather, that indicate deception, like the numerology. I think that the people that rule over us are heavily into the encoding and numerology. Don't ask me why. I don't think there's any physical reason other than just to sign well, their work like any great artist. Well, and they might also be slightly... Batty. I mean, these people are crazy enough to tell us that they believe they're being humanitarian and stuff. Yeah, but I, I challenge every fakeologist out there, those are researchers into fakery, to look at every single story about nuclear power they can dig up, look for numbers, look for incongruencies, look for things that make absolutely no sense. And then ask yourself, who can you actually ask about this? Who will actually take a question about this? If yeah. You, if you, do you don't call? have anyone who can take a question about this, why? Yes. And anything with the word nuclear in it should be questioned. That's all I'm saying. I'm quite convinced that nuclear power or nuclear weapons are fake. And I'm only extending this logic to everything with the word nuclear in it now. That might be a fallacious way to investigate. I don't know. But... You could even look into the whole system of nuclear medicine. Mm. A very fishy. It's a very fishy science. And I haven't looked into it too deeply, but I contend it might just be a higher level of just general chemotherapy. 
medicine itself is is a whole strange area where the pharmaceutical companies have an incredibly tight grip on government, on Congress, on yeah. all sorts of aspects of our society yeah. that would that would tell us that the these certain practices, which are oftentimes just quackery, yeah. um, treating the symptoms instead of the actual disease. But uh, nuclear or medicine it worse. might be just a premium blend of chemical poisoning. It's like premium gas. It might just add another layer of expense due to the layer of science that we made up a hundred or so years ago. And it might just be another way to fleece the public and keep the myth of nuclear alive by entering entering it into another aspect of society that touches many of us. So you have to ask yourself, why would they be faking the, a lot of the footage of the tsunami? And does that mean the tsunami did not happen? I don't know. As we say, I was not there. However, well, was, there a big, was there a big earthquake? How would we know there was an earthquake? Well, here's the um, thing. We explored earlier in the show, Kay and I were looking at um, pictures and seeing that there genuinely was a huge amount of devastation along the coast, which made it look like there okay. was a tsunami. But what we had also done was we had looked, we had kind of examined the various ways that are publicly known about how to manually trigger earthquakes. And there's okay. actually a great number of ways that they can do there's depth charges there's um, pumping water into a crevice there's lots of ways that they can kind of push a boulder and let it cause a chain reaction that they know is waiting to happen and that they could trigger at the any right moment so i mean i'm not trying to say that's exactly what happened but there's it's suspicious that the tsunami seems to have appeared and there was a lot of prediction and warning about it happening um, in a certain area and yet the thing also seemed to have been a land clear there's so many elements to the story that we just can't verify the imagery was constructed as opposed to an actual representation of the plant uh, well that's actually very that's undisputable the yeah the the images of the nuclear plant are not real, and the right. so-called explosion blowing the top off of it and everything are not real. Now, what is odd is how quickly the fake footage of the tsunami disaster was mixed with supposedly authentic footage of hmm. people experiencing it. So the question then becomes, you know, how much was planned? How much did they know in advance? I know that you don't like to go into those things. Because you like to focus on, okay, how can I de-invest myself from the bullshit? But we're more about, you know, we tend to be more about, okay, this is what the leaders are saying they're supposed to do. Now, what is the reason that we have these so-called leaders, you know? So that's that's where we go with it sometimes. But do we really have, do we have proof of the destruction in that area, honestly? Could any of that have been constructed in a Hollywood studio and be made to be portrayed as real. I don't know. See, this is the level of deception that we're dealing with here. It's also interesting because Japanese culture is so conformist and so, uh, shall we say, uh, obedient to their government that if there was an authoritative order to remove an entire village from an area, you can bet it would happen and it would happen more orderly. Yeah, more quickly and more orderly than if it had been like a military operation. 
like the, the Japanese people are very just like, okay, this obedient. is what we're doing. They're all obedient. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're obedient. And that's good. That's okay. It's not a criticism of their culture at all. It's only a point if you're doing well, an investigation yeah. about motives and who murdered who and whatnot. I really don't. I can't verify any of the footage about the so-called tsunami. I really can't because I, I just I know it's really easy to simulate the footage in so many ways. So I wasn't there. I wasn't walking around there. No, I get it. I think for some people they would say it's sophist because you would wa- have to want to talk to people in Asia who have gone and they visited that particular coastline and seen some evidence of it. I haven't been there. And there's no reason we should feel any more authoritative or justified or angry with people who doubt us because they have every right to believe what they what they know to be true and not believe what they don't know. Aside from the tsunami, the other half was Fukushima. I'm not afraid of uh, nuclear radiation because I don't believe in it. The story is another one of these unsolved mysteries that always must remain that way. And we just get the same story recycled year after year. Another wave of fear comes out of the area and it's never resolved. It's never verified. And therefore, I just never I'm never going to believe it now because it's done in the same fashion as all other trauma-based mind control, psychological operations. And it goes right down to the very core of the whole nuclear science for me. I question it. I don't need to provide evidence that it's fake. The people that are promoting the story that it's real, they need to provide evidence that it's real. I don't have to prove a negative. So if I do nothing else, I just want people to think about the possibility that the whole science is, is a fraud. And look into it. Look for clues. You're never going to grab a hold of the rods and measure them with any instrument that is probably just also part of the con. So you're probably not going to get anywhere anyway. But just look for clues that the whole story from beginning to end is a myth. And if you can do that, then you'll be going a long way to relieving yourself of a lot of stress that might come about from thinking about it or giving it even two brain cycles a day, which is probably very destructive to your health. I respect your position. And I think that is kind of like the conservative position, um, the conservative argument for fakery. And I'd say there's also a very good liberal or lefty argument for looking at fakery. And that is if you're going to motivate people to organize around something, which a lot of people disagree, you know, that that's even a thing. Libertarians would say, no, you know, don't even try. This is a great excuse to just, like, not pay attention, small government, etc. I'd say there's it's equally a good argument for don't have people all running in a mob over a cliff over nothing. You don't need, you don't need if you're going to organize people and you're going to try to make a valid reason to tax people, which I would argue there's very little of that going on right now, and going to come up with some kind of universal rules and things, base it on facts. So I'm not even all about disproving the whole thing, but if you find one flaw in it where it's like, wait, this indicates there's a weakness in this whole story, that indicates you're not going to have a very strong argument for coming up with any kind of uh, legislation that protects people or gives them civil rights or anything. Well, getting back to nuclear, I wish it was a real power because apparently it would solve the world's power problems if we really even have a power problem, if we really are running out of oil, 
if there really is not electricity in the air that we can just stick an antenna up and harvest for ourselves. Hmm. If nuclear is this panacea, therefore, many corporations would get involved. If, if they're truly profit-motivated, they would build even better nuclear generators. They would be all over the world. We'd have this clean, wonderful power. Then I'm all for it. But yeah. the reality is we don't have that. There is no place on Earth that just has nuclear power. It is in a constant state of flux, and it's in a constant state of tension which makes absolutely no sense. But I would be the first one to say, hey, this is great. Let's close all the coal plants, which we have in Ontario. Let's let's make an overabundance of power and free the world. Because really, if the world is totally electrified, then it will solve most or all the problems that humanity allegedly has. Yeah, you could also say, well, if, that's, if it's so great, then why doesn't Australia do it? Australia is like no nuclear power. They just... They just step away from it. And it makes you wonder right. if it's such a miraculous, clean thing and they're all about the environment there, you'd think, oh, well, what if, if it's the toxic waste that they're saying is the problem? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they don't, And they don't have any land to put it? <laughs> Australia would be the place. But I suppose, you know, deep ecologists will say, mm, but, yeah. you know, Australians but, are so caring about their environment and so e- eco-friendly, which yeah. is not true. But that they would, you know, they just don't want it. They don't want to touch it because it's too dirty. Again, it's the massive contradiction that is the clue to this whole thing for me. The fact that it's fantastic, it's clean, it answers all our prayers, but it will kill us. It will be so deadly or, or it's so expensive. The expensive is never an argument to me. If it's so expensive, then why don't we just train every child that goes through the education system to become a nuclear scientist? Won't that lower the cost? Because we all know how supply and demand works. If we have a million nuclear scientists, then that's going to lower the, that's going to increase the supply and therefore lower the price. That's economics 101. So if it's really a problem to be solved, then they could have solved it a long time ago. Yeah, I think for some people, the easiest explanation is, well, this just shows how incompetent our leaders are. And, you know, they have this idea that the incompetence equals they couldn't possibly plan something like this. I say, no, this might be the only thing they're actually good at. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the talk. Um, You're welcome to come back on any topic. Should we actually be miraculously able to... uh, combine yours and my and case schedule at once again yes um, well thanks and, for thanks for inviting me and uh, just to let everyone know that you're the hoi polloi is the only person i ever have met in this four year in a few months odyssey into psyops and media fakery and and boy is definitely or you are definitely i don't want to speak to you in the third person in your presence Definitely one of my favorite people of all times, and I think you're one of the greatest minds in this research, and I have said that directly to your face. Thanks, Ed. I, I do, appreciate it, and, and, I, and, and I appreciate I your it. techniques as well. No, I mean, yeah, we've met, and we've, I've, I mean, what can I say? It's not important to the research, but I like you. <laughs> yeah, I like you too. You're just a genuine person. There's not a... a a mean bone or a deceptive bone in your body, I don't think. So if anyone wants someone to listen to and believe in, I think you are one of the very few out there. And I haven't met Simon yet, but he's probably similarly you have. And just, just through the associative powers, I, I would probably think Simon is the same way. Everyone needs to meet the people that they want to 
meet and actually, you know, do it in person. It's so different. Like, Av has explored something that we haven't really gone into much, which is text is so different from meeting someone. Voice is is a close second, but then you really want to meet people and try when you can to verify their personality. And it really completes the it really fills in a lot of the crevices and cracks of a concept or a conversation yeah it really does uh, there's like audio things that happen there's facial expressions and it's just um there's nothing quite like a a real conversation having said that yeah i hope that the this podcast encourages y'all to go and find what is real in your own life and not just be content to experience it through the fake simulation that's given to us as a replacement for real experience. All right. Thank you very much for having me on your broadcast. Thank you, Ab. Necromancy 
pretend it's not game over. Excuse me whilst I hover over here. Check, check. check one, two. Hello. Hello. I was going to say something like, so, okay, what did you think of that? There's clearly a military group that's doing this. So that was his conclusions, I guess. That's where him and Lennon Honor agree. That's like it's a death worship cult. You know, it's the programming that they're doing. You know, remembering 9-11, remembering all the dead victims. and If you don't remember the past, you'll be condemned to repeat it. Really? What are we remembering? Their propaganda. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> right. Remember the past. Whose past? Whose who's history are we remembering? Whose science are we rewriting the past with? Because that seems to be what happens is when we discover something new, we have to throw out all this stuff. And that's also an excuse for us to go back and rewrite what has already been agreed upon and say, well, actually, they were wrong about that understanding. We have to go with this understanding now. And that's kind of what we're trying to practice, too, almost. Well, if this isn't real, then what happened? Yeah, so what did you think of this episode? Fascinating. It's a good one. It's kind of kind of all over the place, but I like it because it tells you how big the nuke thing is. It's it's not just one thing. It's not just the bomb, you know. Hey, what about that? Video? See that plutonium video? No, I can't really comment on it because I didn't see it. It's in a solution, which is, I guess, every time they're trying to, what do you call that, where you increase your radioactivity of ore, it goes through a process, but it's always in a solution. No one's even worried about radiation. And, I mean, hmm. they're not touching it, but there's no, like, shielding or anything up. And that reminds me. There was a funny story that connects to the NASA nonsense. I had the opportunity to meet someone who claims to have worked on the Cassini project. They had told me that, you know, it was difficult to get around all that radiation in space, which is supposed to be there, but you can encase something in like five feet of lead. But then there was this other method of getting rid of the radiation, which was to create pools of water, which would diffuse it. So maybe that's part of the official story about it, is that, oh, it's in these little beakers, they're mixing it around, and it's okay because it's in liquid, so that just renders all the radiation okay. It's hysterical. You have this Einstein-looking dude. He's trying to explain it. Why is plutonium dangerous? Number one, it makes atom bombs. Number two, <laughs> so we're like, what? Not really helping, but he goes, number two, it's actually quite poisonous, like arsenic, if you ingest it. <laughs> you probably shouldn't drink it, is basically what we're saying. Like, you shouldn't put handfuls of dirt in your mouth, but... Soil is pretty good, you know. Soil is actually great for the Earth, so... But it was funny. It's like you're not convincing me this is dangerous by what you're saying. It says in this book it's dangerous, and then he puts the book down. It's like, oh, my. And then these guys are like, you know, after this lab here, after we do something, we send it downstream to another lab. All right. So you see, everybody's completely separated and isolated. Nobody knows what anyone else is doing at some point. They make a bomb. No one fucking knows how, though. It's uh, that's you got to keep those aluminum tubes away from them, apparently. And right. uh, I don't know other things like that. Here's the thing. We were criticized by Nono Capito on the forum for being too self-congratulating. Yeah, we're, we're having too much of a good time oh. here. So, OK, well, that that begs a, 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 like a segment. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe we should do a segment now from now on. That's kind of like, well, if we're totally wrong or well, let's see. Well, I guess we'd have to listen to what we already said. 
Oh yeah, there's all sorts of ways that people will pull us apart. So maybe it's unfair to even create that segment because then we're framing it. We're we're doing the mainstream media thing of framing our our opposition so that they can't like freely ask questions. You know, we should just let them fly. We should just be like, no, this is where we're at. We don't need a segment like that. If we can just provide people with raw data, that would be the ideal thing. The the thing that always trips people up is here's how we're interpreting this, you know, instead of here's the data we got and here's how we got it, which is so often missing from these nuclear uh, discussions because it's so dangerous to even go there. Only the only the high priests who work for the international organizations can safely examine the raw data. So I don't know. Well, someone's at my door. Hold oh. on one second. Okay. It's the FBI. Check one, two. Aye. All right. Did you dispense, I, you, did you send those government agents away, Okay. He wants to sell us a newspaper. <laughs> it's like, dude, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I, don't even get me started on that subject. What a scam. Every once in a while, we just start getting them in our driveway. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just one of those, um, you just do the math. How many advertisers can you get per route you're doing? You know, it's it's all paid by advertisements. They just promise a certain route and advertisers go, okay. But anyway. Anyway. Or I was thinking another way to do it is like, is there another way to look at this? Here are some ways that I would look at this subject a little differently. Perhaps... It really is so dangerous that they need to create a cloud of propaganda around it in order to really prevent, you know, actually inquiring minds about people who are interested in blowing things up. How about that? Yeah. No, I like that. There there you go. How about you? What do you think? I think it's not expensive at all. I think it's just cheap ore. And the most expense is in processing it because it has to go through like miles and miles of diffusion chambers, filtering and filtering and filtering and I think the key is to not let people know that it's actually not that dangerous. And I've been thinking, you know what, it's like, I think um, stuff that's radioactive or that's radioactive is like lead. I mean, it's down there on the radioactive the uh, periodic table, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a super heavy element. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it, it's radioactivity doesn't extend much past three feet. Mm. Why would you say that? I think it's with the video I saw. Okay. From um, Winston, something Winston, what's his name? We'll put that in the show notes. It was pretty compelling about how he was saying he was swimming in the pool, the cooling rods where the oh, cooling rods were sitting. Oh, is this that fellow who was, it was like a long interview, he's bald, he has glasses, and he's talking in like a kind of grayish video about things? Mm-hmm. Okay, I saw that. There was something about that that, oh, I remember now. It was that paper. I looked at that paper that he referenced. He said, he kept saying, well, if you don't believe me, check out this paper. And I found that paper to be a bit incredible, hard to buy, and that it, it almost felt like backstopping to me. So then that made me wonder where the truth really lay. Gosh. Well, I think it is a curiosity, and if I think you get, you get a lot of it together, it is hot, and it does heat things up. A nuclear reactor anyway is just a, boil, a boiler. Yeah, right, right. So that's not complicated to me at all. No, that's uh- not complicated. I'm just wondering about what effects really are there. They say... You know, don't get it near your head, you know, or don't get cancer from it. That's that's the, about the extent that I understand this thing is dangerous. So you're not supposed to ingest it or get too close to it or handle it. And there's this other idea that, oh, well, it just kind of creates this field, this ionic field, maybe. Well, and look in the medical field. Oh, my God. You know how many times they wanted to 
inject my mom with radiation to kill her thyroid. Mm, 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 mm. And I was like, how can you use radiation? It's so bad for you. And they're like, well, the good outweighs the bad. It's like antibiotics. It just kills and kills and kills. So it's supposed to, you know, what what crawls out of that wreckage is, you know, your surviving body, apparently. That's such a good way to put that. you got to rebuild everything. They, you're not supposed to combine poisons either because one poison might kill off that final thing that, you know, was keeping you around. I don't know. I don't know. Um, my sense is, once again, people should just research this for themselves, take a look at it. I think that we came pretty close on the tsunami thing. It looks like there was real damage, but it's not really clear it's so impossible to uh, trigger a tsunami manually. You know, it might actually be very feasible, and it might even be timed to coincide with a a date or an oncoming plan of some kind or a land clear or some kind of event. And I think that they could have steered this into the nuclear thing, or it could have been the plan to to steer it into the nuclear thing. It's curious, though, you know, the landmass where the quake emanated from is uniquely cup-shaped, that instead of the water splashing through and diffusing, you know, through the countryside, it hits this cup-shape and then slashes back down and creates, like, this double havoc wave. Mm. even worse than, you know, the other one coming back out. Almost as if that would be the worst place to possibly have a a targeted earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Why couldn't it just be an... uh, I mean, how hard would it be an explosion? (laughs) We're pretty good at those as a species. (laughs) We don't we don't need nukes. You can just pack a bunch of TNT into things, and you get a pretty big explosion. So I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sound like a, you know. It bothers me. I sound like a crazy person sometimes. Of course, we sound crazy by talking about things that people don't question. But that's just kind of the consequence of questioning things that people don't question. It's like don't go there. That's too much to think about. <laughs> I know. I don't want to think. Please, I've got already. I've got enough family problems right now. Don't tell me that you know my government is lying to me about the largest problems of the world. Don't tell me that. Holy crap! That's what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. That's how we're communicating with people. I'm sorry, folks. I'm really sorry. All the biggest news, the biggest scientific finds, the biggest theories. Yikes. Yeah. Um, So do we have a positive message to leave folks with? What I read is like in Japan and some translated articles that they were coming out every day with lists and lists and lists of dead. Whoa. From those coastal cities. How many more are missing? More missing. More are missing. These can't get this, you know, these in this province and then these guys in this province. We didn't hear that at all. Hmm. So they can feel good that a lot of people did actually die in this one. Oh, <laughs> that's like a good feeling? I don't know. Dang it. This is a hard one to end positive. How oh about ending God. positive in that we figured out maybe some of the puzzle? Yeah, that's a good thought. Um, if people really did, if they weren't evacuated, if this was a, an attack on the plebeians, then we're coming close to to understanding it like like a detective has to understand why a murder took place and what is the motive and stuff and we're trying to get at that so that's that's positive yeah i like that that's good actually yeah well so okay with that uh, i guess we have nothing left to do but say let's let's keep it real real together. together and um remind folks that the next episode will be about diseases that are engineered that crosses over a bit with what we just talked about engineered you mean like by scientists in a lab that's a good point we may have to ask questions like that or ask questions about whether a disease is real or not or what makes 
it real and how we are misled about where it comes from, particularly AIDS. So it could be engineered in, at a writer's conference, perhaps. <laughs> right. <laughs> Designed, as it were, in a sort of flowchart. Yes. And with any luck, we could get Rochelle on, who seems like a really cool uh, researcher. Oh, yeah. She's done a ton of YouTube research, so she can help us figure out um, the whole AIDS thing and how YouTube looks at it. Wow, that sounds awesome. Okay, I'm really looking forward to that episode, and I'm happy that we're done with this one. <laughs> That's right. Send it out. Print it. It's a crazy world that we're living in. Yeah.